Hello and welcome to the Modern Accountant Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Kessler, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Aaron Andrews, as usual, and we're going to be chatting with Jason Stats. I find Jason to be a bit of a celebrity, if I'm honest, but maybe that's because he's gained a group of over 10,000 subscribers to his YouTube channel in just a few short years. If you don't know who Jason is, I encourage you to look him up on YouTube under the handle Jason underscore CPA or visit the Jason Daily Podcast. But today we're going to discuss his journey from accountant and firm owner to influencer. We also get a couple of his hot takes on the benefits of using AI in the modern accounting firm. As always, we aim to demystify this technology a little bit in the hopes that you'll find it approachable so that you can start working with it right away. We managed to wrangle Jason for as long as we possibly could, but we're hopeful that we can get him to come back on at a later date. But until that happens, we hope you enjoy our visit with him as much as we did. So sit back and relax, and thank you for joining the Modern Accountant Podcast. Well, Jason Stats, the legend, he's making an appearance on our podcast. I appreciate you coming by, man. Where are you calling in from today? Oregon, uh, about an hour outside of Portland. Uh, yeah, great to be here. Yeah, good to have you on the show. Been trying to figure out how can I get Jason to to grace us with his appearance uh, yeah. on the show. It's I feel yeah. like you're, a, like I said, a legend, at least in the making. Well, building you well, up too much, making the head no, a little big. A little, bit, found, a little bit, a little bit, We found a, a way bit. to do it. We've, you were able to make my deal, <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> I wonder what he did. What, what did he do? How did he get you on? I, that's, we're not talking that's, about uh, that. We're not yeah, talking we about that. We can't okay, include we can't that in the recording that. for sure. Right, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> and those who are listening that don't know who you are, uh, we've been. Fo- I've been following you on YouTube for at least the last year or so. I was hoping to bring you in so you can share a little bit about the switch that you made from becoming an accountant full time to becoming an influencer. I've been a big fan of your content. I would love probably your contact information for whoever does the editing and. Wouldn't you like little... that, Joe? Yeah. yeah, is it you? I was <laughs> kind of. It's a lot going on. <laughs> That's was, kind of been I... one thing. No, I basically run a whole production company. So I've got like three employees and I do the writing of most of all of the comedy and the bits and all of that stuff. And my lead editor, like he and I are both total hacks when it comes to the technical aspects of doing video, but he's got a killer sense of humor that we're very aligned on. I have worked with over a hundred editors at this point. So like, it's totally a matter of finding somebody that aligns well with you and you can pry them from my cold dead hands. How long have you been doing this now? Uh, uh, two and a half years or so at two varying years. levels of seriousness. So, <laughs> so you have, you've gone through a hundred editors in two and a half years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, like the reality of hiring gig stuff like that is oh, yeah. like, if I'm going to go out and hire an editor, what I will do is go and do a trial project with maybe 30 people at a time to find the mm. folks who are the best fit. By normal standards, that's an absurd amount of effort. But honestly, that's what it takes to be like 
prolific at anything. Like you're doing this harder at a different level than most people think is reasonable, which is Mm -hmm. like when you see anybody that's really good at something like that is the secret sauce. It's usually a lot more of that than than talent or, you know, anything else. Yeah, they're putting in the time, the hours, the reps. Yes. So I, I mean, I was running a 40 person firm and publishing two YouTube videos a week for over a year. And I think after 12 or 18 months of that, I didn't even have 500 subscribers. So mm-hmm. everybody's like, they see you on the other side of this. And that's the question that they ask, who's your editor? And you're like, no, it's actually years of making really bad videos that nobody ever saw. That is why you're here. But you know what? Like the fact that we all consume media via an algorithm these days. That's all you see is people who are like prolific at a very specific thing who have honed that craft for years. And if you're not mindful of it, of that, it can totally be a blocker to you being willing to start doing something really poorly, like with the goal of someday being good at it. What made you get into it? I saw, I think in the YouTube video that I, at least the one that I watched was trying to find a way to help more than just the one person that you're working with yeah, yeah side by side. Definitely. There was, a, there was an aspect of leverage and that was ultimately why I left my firm was, you know, that was super rewarding and I loved working with people within the firm, but ultimately producing content to help the people who run firms was just a higher leverage version of that. But how it started was super, super innocent. I mean, I wanted to learn about email marketing. So I started a weekly email about accounting tech. And would just like highlight some new things every week. And then one week, I shot a little 90 second loom of the most popular tool from the previous week. And before long, like three times as many people were clicking on that video as anything else in the email. And so those videos got a little more elaborate. We started putting them on YouTube. And it was, I mean, literally as as simple as that. And if you go back and watch the old stuff on my channel, like, man, it's it's every bit as bad as you would think somebody's first first video would be. <laughs> Yeah, that's why what I didn't like have you to be on the podcast at the beginning, too, because we uh, <laughs> uh, I was just like, oh, we're going to need to get a few episodes in. And this is already pretty rough as it is, but at least we're a little bit more polished and have a better show format <laughs> than we did in the first few episodes. What mode of content do you like to deliver the most? Do you like the YouTube videos or your podcast or your writing with the blogs and the emails? They're all very different, actually. Yeah, I, they all have their like pros and cons, I think. If this wasn't a job and you kind of threw everything else out, like what would you still do that was fun? I think I would still make silly videos. Like I love the aspect Mm of sketch writing and like creating a bit that's kind of a through line for a video, like a, you know, a a kind of character that's coming in or something like that. So it'd probably be just making silly videos. Did you know that it was going to get as big as it had? Of course not, Jill. Jill, I met you when I was a struggling firm owner that was so sick of going through IT people. And that is when me and Joe first talked. I don't know how long ago that was. Not that long ago, probably less than two years. Yeah. But no, I, I mean, if you make a, a stupid little 90 second loom video and then somebody tells you, oh, this is going to become a business someday and like all of these things that have happened like of course not which is mm-hmm. which is why that ROI calculation that we're always trying to do is is just completely broken like we don't do enough to optimize for serendipity and that that unknown thing on the other side of the thing that you're thinking about doing and the reality is in the internet age when you can be super visible and put yourself out there 
we are so most of us like absolutely are not optimizing for visibility and the opportunities that can come from just being out there consistently. I was going to say, it's just incredible that you went, you're a CPA. I'm sure you're never like, oh, well, the opportunity that technology has given us when you went to school versus what you're doing now, it's just so different. You couldn't even picture it like 15, I don't know how old you are, but 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever yeah. it is, 10, yeah. five, I don't know. I'm, t- uh, I'm, 20, but, I'm 21, but, uh, that's good. You look yeah. Great. yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> doing the, great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Spent a lot of time in the sun for a 21 year old. Uh, no. And, and also like of all the years to go all in on creating content around tech education, right? I mean, there's a mm-hmm. whole lot of things that are coming together to make this amazing year for producing AI content and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's something that we're seeing as well. And really, when we got into focusing on just the accounting space six, seven, eight years ago, it was completely different than it is now. And what a great time to be putting content out to because it's just the changes are happening so fast in this space that it's exciting, it's terrifying, and it's annoying, uh, kind of all mm-hmm. at the same at the same time, how many different things there are out there. And I want to shift a little bit towards AI because it's a topic that you've been, I guess, touting or championing for some time, trying to demystify a lot of the the different subjects and things that are around it. Unless you're bored with that topic, we can certainly talk about something else. No, no, it's huge. I don't like to think that I'm either pro or anti-AI, what I just know that we all need is for somebody to put it through the lens of what we do. And so I'm a big fan of like niche creators. And I'm, I'm absolutely a micro niche creator, not even just for accountants, but for people who own and run small accounting firms. Like that is a very mm-hmm. small group. Um, and so oftentimes we think of content creators and influencers and stuff like that in a very mainstream way. Man, I, my YouTube channel doesn't even have 10,000 subscribers. Like it's so specific, but that's what makes it useful. Is it's for a very specific type of person. And with all of the AI news stories and the dialogue and all that stuff, man, we need more people doing stuff like that. And I'd love if there are 20 more of me in our space. We need more people that can put this through a really contextual lens so that we're not just talking way up here about AI all day. But somebody's actually going to cut through that and be like, hey, like here's three actually useful things that you can do today. Is that why you're so drawn to the topic specifically is to focus on it and just get it out there and use your platform to make that known? Or is there something personal that kind of draws you to the AI topic? Like, what is it about that? Probably a third of my content now is about AI. Ultimately, most of the folks who gravitate to my stuff, and it's obviously a big spectrum, but a lot of them are like younger generation folks who are like, man, how do I do this for another decade? I don't see anybody like me who is talking about this stuff really in the way that I think about it. But I'm a big believer that the more that you understand what's happening right now, the more you realize this is fundamentally going to change pretty much everything about how we work. And the rate of change is going to be a challenge for sure. It's It's going to happen faster than anything we've seen in the past. So I think what my hope is, is that I'm putting stuff out there that is keeping people plugged into what's possible today and making the most of it. Because if we don't have that, I think that's what puts you at a greater risk of displacement from, you know, productized offerings and, and other stuff like that. Yeah, you're bringing awareness to it just so someone can even just look into it in general. So how do you see AI transforming the accounting industry 
we could say the next five to 10 years, but we could even say six months <laughs> or to a year, you know? So yep. it's, it's happening so fast. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to summarize because there really isn't, there's virtually no aspect of how we work mm -hmm. that, that won't be upset from this back at the beginning of the year. On the first of the year, I did kind of a rundown of predictions of what's going to happen. And probably 75 of those things are now part of the products that many of us use. So you've got stuff like Carbon's generative replies when you're drafting emails. It'll go back and see the email history thread and help you to draft a reply with generative AI. And that stuff's about to get way better as we start pulling in more context from those systems like files and projects and and other context that informs that reply. Research is going to get massively better because AI and, and specifically embedding models and vector search are a much more efficient way of pulling together information in a conceptual way. So most research platforms now work based on text matching. And so if I'm researching something for a tax client, I have to know the exact verbiage and vernacular. And then all it does mm -hmm. is give me a list of sources where that word showed up the most, as opposed to what embeddings down able, which is a more conceptual version of search. And that fundamentally changes, I think, how we gather information. But even stuff like automated classifications in bookkeeping. If we did a we did an episode on this back in June on the podcast, and it's a fundamentally different way of approaching accounting that's no longer rules-based like bank rules and mm -hmm. instead is uh, a, like classifications that are just purely driven on how you've classified stuff in the past so that those rules kind of create themselves. And it's something that is absolutely built, being built into the platforms that we use. And I think driving these conversations and identifying these opportunities, it's absolutely driving our profession and our software category. Like we have like product folks that are engaged in this content and they're genuinely shipping meaningful updates as we have these conversations and as listeners share this stuff with the software partners that they use and they're like, man, let's work on this. So it feels like we're like we're genuinely hopefully pushing the category forward to lean into this stuff as much as we can. How do you think it'll impact job opportunities and roles within the accounting sector? Do you think that this ends up creating some new roles that might not exist currently? Things like somebody who's in charge of the automation and in charge of you know running AI. Yeah. We've actually screwed around with the idea of having like a chief AI officer, mm -hmm. uh, a chow, if you will. Right? A chow, sure. A chow. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh <laughs> so it, it absolutely changes the roles. Such a dork. <laughs> I know, man. That was an, I don't such a dork. Give credit for it. I'll, oh I'll just God. say that that's the founder. <laughs> He's a bigger nerd than I am. Oh, God. <laughs> it absolutely changes the roles that we all do and what that looks like. The big fallacy with replacing a profession is the notion that there's a fixed amount of work and tasks to do, which absolutely isn't the case. As we remove some tasks, like other work comes into the fold. If we look back at RPA, Robotic Process Automation, super hot like five years ago, it had a technical bar where it wasn't the easiest thing to learn. And so that was the approach people generally took. So we're going to have RPA teams to implement this. The risk with carving out a team to do something like AI or even RPA is by dedicating a team to do it, you're giving everybody else permission to not engage. And I think generative AI is on the level where it is like 
Microsoft Office proficiency as a job requirement. It is something that everybody needs to be engaging in. And you all get better by everybody engaging and sharing what they're learning and what's working and what's not working. Like right now, that initiative needs to be across all types of work because it is super helpful, not just for menial things, but for the big brain high level tasks, which is really unique. I steer people away from doing that dedicated team approach because I think it's something that is just part of work now that everybody needs to be exploring. I mean, all this stuff shines a spotlight on humans and your ability to be emotionally intelligent and build relationships and all that stuff. And many of the legacy accountingisms that people don't like are founded in like that kind of human familial thing. And that's what makes change management hard is you don't want to disappoint these people and that's why some firms are slow to adopt stuff like customer portals because it feels more impersonal. So as more of the things that we do turn to chat experiences and we're talking with AI more and more each day, I think a kind of byproduct of that will be a greater premium on like that human experience and connection and all that. Ultimately, what we do, like it's easy to generalize into standard service offerings that firms do. But at the end of the day, we are helping people solve problems around accounting and tax compliance. I have a really hard time seeing all of those pains for entrepreneurs going away with AI. They'll definitely change for sure. But with AI, will the pains of entrepreneurship around accounting and regulation totally go away? It doesn't seem like it. There's a very real common through line there of that human relationship you have to be changing the work that you do but from end to end having those relationships with those people and the nuanced understanding of the specific thing that they do that's still super important and you're pretty passionate about i mean ai not it's not going to replace the accountant i've heard you describe that it might replace some people specifically if they don't lean into it a little bit more but I don't really have an opinion either way because nobody knows ultimately. It sure doesn't seem like it will. But also focusing on that, I think, takes away from what's most important, which is ultimately, how do I be useful today? That's all that really matters. You've got huge big brain people debating what all is going to happen and all of that. And it's like, no, you know. Steve at the accounting firm probably just didn't solve the future of AI in this LinkedIn post. Like, so that's probably not a great place to invest your time and mental energy right now. What I got to focus on is what is my learning feedback loop? Like, how am I keeping engaged with what's happening and how am I just being useful a day at a time? And I think the more you fixate on the massive social issues and like opportunities and really bad and unfortunate things and how hard of a transition this will be. If you fixate on that, I think it kind of takes your eyes off the prize of like, okay, how can I just use this to be helpful? Well, I think I think AI is one of those technologies, or could be, I could be wrong, technologies that, I mean, people were scared of the TV when it came out, right? They're just going to sit in their houses and not move, like not move, not do anything. Internet came out. What is this going to change? But it ended up giving a lot more opportunity than there was before. So AI is probably going to do something similar, I'm assuming. Create different jobs and opportunities. Yeah, so I analogy a lot of people use is the Industrial Revolution. Most of us don't look back and generally say that was a bad thing that shouldn't have happened. But mm-hmm. it hurt a lot of people in the process. Absolutely. Like mm-hmm. that was that was a rough transition that was a positive thing for humanity. And the reality is like that's where we are. Like the next election cycle is going to be a complete mess. Um, regulation no. <laughs> regulation cannot I mean they still haven't figured out how to regulate social media. So like it can't move fast enough to 
I don't know, manage this adequately. So it's going to get super weird and you can get sucked into that. But ultimately, I, I just try to focus on the day to day. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to answer really the one of the questions I had was how can accounting professionals ensure that they don't get left behind as this technology continues to evolve. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, lean into the positive things. Don't be scared of it. Don't be afraid of it. Find the the things that you can tap into because there's so many new interfaces and ways to interact with it that haven't been available before. Leverage that stuff. It's why I'm so passionate about people doing what I do. Like, and so I've got a podcast where we really talk about this stuff each day, but who's having this conversations around nonprofit accounting and e-com and that is Uh how you stay plugged into what's happening every day is content. But if all we have is our super generic news feeds, that's not really helping me be any more productive. And so stuff like podcasts and YouTube and that sort of thing that is very specific to the fiddly aspects of how you work, that stuff is gold for those people because it's ensuring that you're not missing the boat by keeping you kind of plugged in day to day. That lends towards, Aaron, what you're trying to do with your client communities even too. And there's all sorts of different ways to do that. It's not always just YouTube, not always just one particular medium. You know, Jason has been, you've been pretty successful with the Realize community and building that group of accountants, right? Those, and Erin's starting up roundtables with her clients and trying to put information out there for them. Yeah, Yeah, I think firms just have to evolve in different services and solutions that they offer their clients. But I I think if you ever stop evolving and adding things, I don't know, then you're dying, I guess. That's how it goes, right? You're devolving. Devolving. I guess dying is too harsh. <laughs> yeah. I think we, we maybe like to describe to, this industry, it might be more applicable though. Yeah. <laughs> I think we like to fixate on how this stuff impacts our businesses, but equally important is mm-hmm. how it impacts our clients. Like yeah. if it displaces, displaces all of my clients, that's just as big of an issue as if it displaces mm-hmm. what I do. So it's yeah. just like everything else, COVID relief, cloud adoption, all of that. Like when you work with SMBs, we are the ones driving a lot of that. So an investment in yourself, learning AI and all of that, ultimately that makes Mm -hmm. you a better advisor. I do have a question about when you do your, um, you know, your YouTube and all that, are there any specific like feedback or questions you receive a lot or frequently from the audience? Yeah. When you're talking to AI, it's hard because you get people on this massive spectrum of of (laughs) comfort and all of that. And, And first and foremost is always security. Like how do I use this responsibly? How do I put guardrails around it so that my team can use it responsibly? So the biggest thing right now is probably just confusion and not quite knowing what to do around security, either because they saw a spooky headline or they're being responsible and trying to be take care about how they're starting to use it. Is there any specific, like really specific, if you're talking about trying to get content out there and maybe get other people to help contribute in the space the way you are? What kind of things could we do as far as like a call to action? What content could each and every one of us or what do you see needs to be created and somebody needs to uh, help? Yeah, I think people get caught up on being an expert when what you really need to do is just share your journey. Joe, you guys are having conversations about AI with your clients every single day right now. And those conversations are happening in in a vacuum where you're only extending that value to those clients. Behind closed um, doors, if yep, you will. Yeah, right. and, it's, and it's the same thing we do in our accounting firms where we have these conversations, but then we never share that information 
uh, in, a, in a larger format where more people can benefit from it. So there, there's a lot of mental blockers that keep us from putting stuff out there. And honestly, what the world doesn't need is another super opinionated expert on on how everything works. What is really valuable is like people being willing to be vulnerable and, and say what they don't know, but still share what they're learning and, and ideas as they're happening. Yeah. Yes. That's good. Feature. Totally That's agree. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I know mm -hmm. I've been caught up in the past with the idea of kind of like that special sauce, right? You know, you're only going to get that information if you're working with me type thing. And this podcast is, I guess, in many ways, my first way to kind of, you know, get some of that information out because mm -hmm. I'm becoming more comfortable uh, with the, with that idea that it's like, you know, it's, it's okay. We're all in this together as it is. And I'm happy to help whoever comes by, but that, that has definitely changed over the last couple of years. Is your ultimate goal, like when you go into this, was it just to help the accounting industry? Because I'm also incredibly passionate about pulling out of the traditional accounting for a model and changing just a lot about it. Was that your your motivation behind all of this and how you said you want a lot more people talking about these things? Or um, do you just like talking tech or a lot of just combination? So there's a real kind of element of what's the highest leverage way to help people. And I think it's easy to get fixated on the ROI of like, well, what if I just give this information away? You know, this is something that people pay me for right now. And the problem is that our little monkey brains can't understand how huge the internet and the world is and how nuanced the problems are. So we are like, okay, how many new clients does this social media posting schedule need to drive for it to be worthwhile? When the reality is like, we run professional service firms the same way they've been run for the last hundred years in a super low mm -hmm. leverage one-on-one -on -one way with no like aspect of one to many. I posted something on LinkedIn the other day that has over a hundred thousand impressions now. And like it is because it was a thing that was really useful. And ultimately you just need to focus on, on being useful and solving people's problems and the business and all the other peripheral stuff, like all of that takes care of itself. But I think we're too mm -hmm. fixated on a traditional revenue model for an accounting firm and stuff like that, rather than just being helpful at a larger scale than you are right now. I was literally just at the bookstore the other day looking at a book in the, the title of Arnold Schwarzenegger's biographies, Be Useful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Useful. That's, that's some go. really good feedback right there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate this. <laughs> oh, Arnold. That's, that's be true. useful. Yeah. yeah. So are there any resources, books, courses, anything like that that you'd recommend to our, our listeners that could maybe they could dive into some of the AI topics a little bit better, things that you've read or resources that you use yeah the trouble with that stuff is it's out of date as soon as it goes out there's a real generational shift to happening in the ways that people learn i think not that long ago accountants learned by going to a conference or two a year or mm -hmm. or if you do tax the year end update like that was the one couple days a year where you sat in a chair for eight hours a day and you invested in yourself and that feels wildly inadequate these days so the way that i learn is social media and youtube and finding trusted people that actually know what they're saying and will stand behind what they're saying. And there's a lot of people that are just like shills and people that don't know what they're saying for sure. 
but there's a lot of really smart people out there. And, you know, people complain about stuff like, where's the next generation of thought leadership going to come from in accounting? And why do I not see them in accounting conferences and all that stuff? And it's like, you know, they already exist and they're out there like winning the algorithm. Like that's where the next generation of thought leadership is happening. I know a lot of the vast majority of accountants are not on social media and have maybe a complex relationship with social media, but that's where it's happening. And I think people need to know these days, platforms are mature enough to where they are very customizable to block out the stuff you don't want and just get the best of the stuff that you do want, because that's where the best thought leadership is happening right now. And speaking of conferences, are you at any of the upcoming events at all? Are you going to be speaking? And QuickBooks Connect, or are you going to be at anything else coming up? Yeah, I'm at like, I'm at almost all the stuff in North America, unfortunately. I'll still have a couple <laughs> talks at QBC, a couple talks at Digital CPA. Um, yes, to answer your question, he's, yes. He's coming to PASBA <laughs> in May. I'm one of the organizers. Oh, so cool. he's coming to PASBA in May. I'll be at PASBA. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, a lot, of, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. He's a super, yeah, super fun. <laughs> it is. It's great. It's going to be fantastic. No, oh, yeah. You can't go to PASBA in the fall because it conflicts with, with QBC because it's the same days. And we are, it's marketing and technology in the, in the spring, too. So Got it. Got yeah. It. He's very popular. So as we can see, he's already I know you, you asked me, I honestly can't remember. So National Tax Conference, I'll be there the next month also. Like, there's just, there's just a lot. but. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I don't even know. Uh, they just tell, they just tell me where to be. Um, but yeah, as much as I love social media and the whole things going to AI and, and premium on human experiences, like I also still think the in person stuff is unbelievably valuable. There's a level of connection that happens there that doesn't happen anywhere else. I listened to your episode about conferences a couple weeks ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I w- it was just because. I have a really hard time sitting for more than like right now it's challenging. So when I go to conferences, I just tend to walk around. Joe can probably attest to that. And when you were saying it's just about building relationships, that's really what it is for me. So the content's great, I'm I'm sure. But uh, if I'm not, that's what I go for is to connect with people. So I don't think we'll ever lose that. Yeah. And I think that's where most people are these days. But I mean, the analogy was Mm -hmm. it's like having a bunch of people over to watch TV together uh, and like nobody's allowed to talk. When the style of learning that happens at conferences where you're just sitting there watching slide deck after slide deck, buddy, I could put that in a 10 minute YouTube video for you. That's going to be way more entertaining. So like, I don't think that that format makes the most sense anymore. I think Mm -hmm. the experiential stuff is really exciting. That's not like, man, I'm, I'm as jacked as anybody that Ryan Reynolds is going to be at QBC. So like there are still versions of that that are super cool and I'm going to be there for that. Uh, (laughs) But like, (laughs) 10 hours a day of slide decks. Like I think we're all through that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean the most popular sections that we do at PASBA and at Rootworks and stuff like that are the engaging little round tables. Those are always my favorite too. So yeah, yeah, like that's what we're doing our clients too. So even just getting the experiences from other people connecting like that, but yeah, sitting around and watching someone's slide deck or just watching people on stage. It's, it's nice to hear people's experience, but it's also not the best way <laughs> like i was just excited to see serena williams last year at qbc too but i can't exactly say there's a whole lot of takeaways that were really applicable to what was being said in there yeah and she's I, freaking like, serena williams i know and and I, and it's still i mean what is ryan reynolds what do i have to learn from him nothing besides just uh at fanboying you know but 
Uh, yeah. To like uh-huh. to that to that point, I really don't do slide deck talks much anymore, unless they're like <laughs> some sort of keynote thing that's just kind of like more of a theme sort of thing. I tell people like I want like let's just do like Q and A, like fireside chat stuff like that. Like that's much mm-hmm. more valuable, I think. Yeah, I think Sean Duncan, who was on a couple of weeks ago too, he does a lot of really active workshops with mm. with firms as well to help develop their consulting and advisory practices. I think I'm going to have my conference planning committee listen to that episode because that's all I could think of during it. I was like, we should listen to this. <laughs> yeah. You've got a room of unbelievably smart people, but we're mm-hmm. doing nothing to connect those smart people as if Mm-hmm. as if yeah. the person on stage is ordained and knows more than everyone else in the room, right? Like, mm-hmm. no, like there's probably yeah. a balance yeah. there, but I think we don't do enough to make connections. And as accountants in general, I think it's hard for us to make connections. So if we maybe even force each other to make connections, it's probably even better. So, or most accountants, I'll talk yeah. to the wall. So, Aaron, is there any other questions you wanted to try to get out? Kind I mean, of hard to nail not, down probably, Jason's probably calendar not, Probably here. not appropriate <laughs> for this for this podcast. No, no. just uh, no, just, uh, we can cut lots it. of things I Let like. Rip. But, yeah. <laughs> what do you like better? Do you like being an accountant better or doing this? Do you miss owning a firm? Yeah, I mean, there's pros and cons to each. I do miss the like literally sitting down with somebody and hiring them and taking them from A to B on the career journey and just how tangible that is. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the most rewarding aspect of running a firm. Like I was totally out of the client work and just did people Uh development and strategy and that was fun um this this is um there's a it's you're simultaneously very visible and so a lot of people know you and build a relationship with you but it is fundamentally like a very isolating thing like you're just chucking this stuff out into the void and you make Uh a video that feels natural and like oh they just sat down and put this together reality was that was like a two-week project that a bunch of people worked on and i don't even remember it by the time it publishes the reality of that is it's not a super like human connected kind of thing. And that's why I super love going to conferences because then I get to meet all the people that, you know, listen to the pod and, and stuff like that. And that's super energizing. That's probably the biggest thing that I miss from running a firm is just like mm-hmm. being shoulder to shoulder with people every day. Do you, when you go to conferences now, do you have like, uh, not fangirls, I guess that's whatever, like, like people that are like, oh, it's Jason. Just curious. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. Um, oh yeah, groupies. I mean, well, <laughs> groupies. Thank you. I'm. I... <laughs> thank you. That's the word. I mean, yeah, think you about. Groupies? Is there anything that you're super into where it's like so? There's like 1,200 people or something that listen to the daily podcast every day right now. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to mm-hmm. somebody every single day, and like they're a part mm-hmm. of your routine, like you're spending more time with them than you are mm-hmm. family members. Like it's. It's mm-hmm. a super real thing. And there's, I, there's people for whom I listen to them every day and you absolutely build that relationship with them. And so it's, um, it's weird. Like I, I think as a society, we're kind of grappling with like, is that a healthy thing or not? Is like, is that mm-hmm. weird? But it's totally real. And I'm super appreciative of those people. Like they're the ones that ultimately made this into a business and something that where my job can really just kind of be to be helpful, which is a yeah. super fortunate place to be. And so that I, I encourage people to come out to those conferences because not only it's fun to hang with them, ultimately, I'm a magnet for a specific type of person. And this is where the mm-hmm. whole community came from. I'm a magnet for a specific type of person. And there's so much value that can be gleaned from connecting those people 
Man, five yeah. years ago, all this stuff was so isolating to me. Like if I can help one person make a new best friend that does this stuff, that's better than all my content, anything I can teach them. Like I think connecting people is like the biggest thing that makes this all enjoyable and sustainable. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic feedback too. That's, that's ultimately why we want to do it. How does someone come become part of your community? So Aaron, you now know. <laughs> In fact, we'll just yeah. leave a gap where we talked about it. So we'll just tee up the question and then mm-hmm. we'll just pick up and right just, there. And then just, just yeah. 10 minutes of dead silence and then we'll pick back up. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Jason, for hopping on the show. And hopefully you'd be interested in coming back. I'd like to pick your brain a little bit on practice management software. Mm-hmm. You just posted something you did. a looks like you did a great either workshop with somebody or collaboration with a group of people that you posted on LinkedIn. Yeah, it's a it's a report. I got 14 practice management systems to collaborate with this on us. And in my opinion, they are the best platforms for small accounting firms. It's a report over 200 features, like a massive feature comparison of all these different platforms all in one place, because the notion of anybody going out and doing this due diligence for 14 platforms is like outrageous. We had access to all these platforms so that we could validate that the things the platforms were saying was correct. Everything from, I mean, so many fiddly little things like, can I have subtasks? Can I have two levels of subtasks? Can I have recurrence that's on named days of the week? Like so much fiddly stuff to security, like SOC 1, SOC 2, MFA, 2FA. Can I enforce MFA? What stuff can you get actually get access to in their API? Like to an insane level of detail in a single report. We had six people working on this for like two months. So it's a massive, massive undertaking. We've given it away for free because these platforms are really good. We still have too many firms using legacy tax software provider practice management systems, which are far inferior to cloud PMs today. I think more people need to be using these platforms, but figuring out what's best for you is really hard. So hopefully we're making that more accessible. I was reading through that and hopefully I'll get access to a copy because that was a lot of legwork. I can only imagine. I know how much it is Mm -hmm. just on our end whenever we have to do some Mm -hmm. evaluations for different products. Well, thank you again, Jason, for hopping in here and joining us. That's all the time we have for today's episode. And for our listeners, thank you for listening, tuning in. And remember, you can always ask questions for today's episode or any of the previous episodes by visiting techguruit.com slash podcasts. And you can also simply submit recommendations for other topics or guests that you'd like to hear from. And you can send an email to podcast at techguruit.com. I look forward to reading all of your emails and would love to answer them on the air in future recordings. Until next time, thank you. Thank you.